Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Usually on Affable Chat, we talk about movies, and we dive as deep as we can into them. Today is not an exception. I have a very special guest here. Uh, her name is Kita. She's a recurring character on this podcast now. Yep. Say hi, Kita. Hi. Yeah, at this point, I'm recurring. I'm here, and I'm hopefully going to keep coming back. So. Two times means recurring. Two times so means recurring. Mm-hmm. Puts you in the in the bracket for uh, best guests. Uh, we'll have you guys fight out at some point. Please. <laughs> I would win. <laughs> I feel confident in your in your abilities. Um, but Kita is here today to talk about the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yay. <laughs> Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow. Uh, yay. But there's one problem. There's a human has a mustache just like you. Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? <laughs> because I don't. This is a family-friendly animated action adventure video game adaptation comedy. The directors are Aaron Horvath, Michael Jelenic, and Pierre Luduk. The cast includes Emmett Brikowski, Beth Harmon, Charlie Kelly, Dewey Finn, Kevin Michael Richardson, Key, the guy with the laugh, and Fred Armiston. I watched this movie in a regal theater. Kita, how did you watch this movie? Yeah, so I watched this at a Paragon theater. Um, Yeah, I know. It's different. Never really heard of it. Um, But we watched it in like something called Axis Extreme 4K. Whoa. I was like, what is that? That blow you away? It did. It's like 4D. Were you wearing glasses? No, we weren't wearing anything. And it was just a really big screen and a lot of rumbling around us. Um, wow. It was different than IMAX. So I'm still not really sure what it was, but that's what it was <laughs> called. <laughs> how many? Uh, so this, I never heard of Paragon. Um, do they have a lot of the, like screens? Do you know how many screens they had? We had, I think in there was like maybe 15 screens okay so it's pretty big yeah it was a pretty big theater um it's like really new uh where we are and mm. so there was like a paragon there i think we have like two paragons close to each other and so it's wow. just just new we have our regals you know we have our Got stones AMCs. amcs paragon's new paragon's i liked new. it okay it was fun though we'll see yeah. all right well give him a shot i suppose please do <laughs> Before we dive into our analysis on the Super Mario Bros. movie, first we'll recap our events and our synopsis, uh, which will begin now. A dark shadow descends on an icy land. A floating volcano comes to rest, crushing several pillars and bringing despair to a peaceful nation. Out fly the minions of evil, the Koopas, dressed in various garb and sporting various levels of bravery. They are escorting their king, Bowser. The penguin leader of the Ice Kingdom approaches the King Koopa and demand he yields. Bowser only laughs and destroys their castle with his fiery breath, revealing a shining yellow question block inside. He opens it to find the legendary superstar inside. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, New York City, two plumbers, who are brothers, are striking out on their own. Mario and Luigi are no longer under the thumb of the cruel general contractor, Spike, instead starting their own plumbing business. But despite their skills and tenacity, they are finding it hard to get started or to gain the respect of their large Italian family. The silly get-ups and Italian accents are mostly a marketing ploy, but it doesn't exclude them from ridicule. 
That's why when the streets of Brooklyn begin to flood, Mario insists he and Luigi will be the ones to save their burrow. They wade through the water to find the source of the problem. After, arguably, making things much worse, the brothers (laughs) discover a secret part of the sewer. Pipes and catwalks are everywhere, and they descend, exploring. They are suddenly sucked into a mysterious green pipe that sends them careening across the galaxy. Luigi is terrified, but Mario reassures him, saying as long as they stick together, nothing bad will happen. But fate has other plans. Luigi is pulled toward a dark and lava-accented land, where Mario lands in the bright and colorful Mushroom Kingdom. While Luigi runs for his life from undead turtle skeletons, dry bones, Mario meets Toad and then Princess Peach. Toad tells Mario his brother is likely to be captured by Bowser. Peach is exiting a meeting with the Elder Toads where they are discussing Bowser's approach. Peach believes their best chance is to implore the Kong Kingdom to lend the princess their military. Mario explains his predicament to Peach, and she agrees to let him tag along, if he can prove himself. Peach has a private obstacle course complete with tiny platforms, robotic piranha plants, and swinging beads of death. She has mastered it, and she wants to see if Mario can too. The Mushroom Kingdom is full of many wonders, but perhaps its most amazing are the power-ups. Mario's distaste of mushrooms doesn't stop Peach from shoving one down his throat. He becomes bigger and stronger and completely fails the obstacle course. But he keeps trying. All through the evening, the night, and the next morning, he tries again and again. Eventually, he gets close enough to impress the princess, and she agrees to take him with her. As they are heading to the Kong Kingdom, Toad announces he is coming too. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the Koopas are holding a rock concert in Bowser's honor. He announces to his subjects his grand plan, descend on the Mushroom Kingdom and ask Peach to marry him. That's right, Bowser is fascinated with Peach and believes his possession of the superstar will win her favor. Even the Koopas are skeptical of this plan, pointing out that Peach hates Bowser, but he won't hear it. If she won't have him, he will destroy the Mushroom Kingdom once and for all. Peach, Mario, and Toad meet with the king of the Kongs, Cranky Kong. Cranky agrees to lend his army if Mario can defeat his son, Donkey Kong, in ritualistic combat. Another obstacle course is set up. Power-ups are placed around the arena to give Mario a fighting chance. After donning a cat suit, he becomes untouchable and beats Donkey Kong. Cranky Kong suggests they take a shortcut back to the Mushroom Kingdom, which means, of course, carts! Our crew construct custom carts in the Kong Cart Cathedral. Quickly, they're cruising around curves confidently cool in their new rides. But Bowser, now that he has captured Luigi, knows he might have a rival in Mario. He sets an ambush along the shortcut. The shortcut is a road of rainbow, and the ambush is a massacre. The Kong army is stopped in its tracks, and even though it seems like Mario, Donkey Kong, Peach, and Toad are going to escape, a lone Koopa announces his finishing move, Blue Blue Shell. Shell. He successfully destroys the road, sending Mario and Donkey Kong sailing into the ocean. Peach and Toad arrive in the Mushroom Kingdom just in time to warn the other Toads. Bowser is not far behind. He lands his floating island and proposes to Peach. At first, she refuses outright, but after Bowser's mage, the Magic Koopa, hits Toad with the Cruciatus Curse, her great love for her subjects forces her to agree. But Peach has one more trick up her sleeve. At the altar, hidden in her bouquet, is an ice flower. She transforms into Elsa and starts blasting Koopas with balls of frozen power. Mario and Donkey Kong escape the belly of a fish just in time to save Luigi and aid Peach. 
But Bowser, completely frozen in ice, becomes enraged seeing Peach and Mario together. He melts his way free and commands for a nuke to be dropped on the Mushroom Kingdom. Mario is able to distract the giant bomb, leading it into a magical green pipe where it explodes in the space between worlds, harming no one. But the explosion creates an interdimensional backdraft that sucks all our players and Bowser's floating island straight into the streets of Brooklyn. There is going to be one last showdown. Bowser defeats our heroes one by one, but Peach gets the superstar free of the Magikoopa's grasp and within reach of Mario and Luigi. Together, the brother plumbers grab the star and become invincible. They charge through Bowser and his wedding guests, defeating the king of the Koopas so badly they can give him a mini mushroom and put him in a jar. All of Mario and Luigi's family and friends are there to see them save the city and complete their emotional arc. They go back to being plumbers, but they have found a new home, one with pipes, moving platforms, and power-ups. The end. All right, there you have it. The events of the Super Mario Bros. movie synthesized for you and your enjoyment. Let's start with our pros and cons. Kita, what did you like about this movie? Yeah, so I'm going to just preface this already. I am easily impressed (laughs) and also (laughs) love the Mario franchise and the Mario games. So this might be a little liberal, but we'll we'll get into it. Um, My first pro is I thought it was so fun. Um, I was honestly scared the jokes wouldn't land just because there's some animated movies that I've seen that this didn't do it for me. Um, but a good chunk of them did. I will say I have, we'll get that to the pros. There were some parts where I was just like, okay. Um, but some of the jokes I was giggling in my seat and I was really impressed by that. So it was very fun. Um, a part of that fun was I am very much an aesthetics person. So it was very visually appealing to me, visually amazing. Rainbow Road was so beautiful. Um, The Mushroom Kingdom was beautiful. Even Bowser's like lava lair and his ship, I thought was too cool. Um, And so I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen the entire time. Like my eyes were glued. I couldn't look over. I couldn't look down. They were on the screen the whole time. Um, I also really did like the voice acting. Um, So I'm still a little bit on the fence with Chris Pratt. But listen, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think he did better than I thought. Um, I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed Luigi's voice. I really enjoyed um, Jack Black as Bowser. Um, I did actually really like um, Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach. I really did like her voice. It felt very soothing, but also like we're going to get some stuff done as I'm a princess. Yeah. Um, so I really like those. Um, even Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. I was um, watching this with uh, my partner, Ben the other bin um (laughs) and uh we were actually sitting there like we knew it was him but we did not we could not really tell that that was his voice um so i thought that was really really cool um i also just like i said fangirl i loved all the references to obviously super mario bros the game um mario kart and even like super mario galaxy and even just the old like nest super marios um that i never played Mm-hmm. past my generation but i saw them and they were really cool um and we were fangirling the whole time um even with those references came the sounds and the score um that was a big part of the nostalgia of mario um and not even really nostalgia like people are still playing these games to this day so even seeing um some of the power-up sounds you know some of the 
um, songs that were there. And some of them, they were really fitting well in the scenes. So I like those a lot. And I was just giggling and squeeing whenever I would hear um, a power up sound. I thought it was so dope. Um, another pro I really liked, um, and I'm going kind of back and forth on what this looks like for me, but I really did like the brotherly love aspect of it. It was giving Elsa and Anna <laughs> from okay. Frozen. Yeah. It was Not a bad thing to reference. Exactly. Honestly, and so I, I really liked, but you know, we have the sisterhood that we have the brotherhood part of that. Um, and I'll get into it, my cons a little bit. I wish I saw it more. Um, but I just really liked that they were like ride or die for each other, which was dope. Um, Also, it was just ridiculous. I loved how much they leaned into the world of Mario. They didn't try to explain too much of what the Mushroom Kingdom and the world that they built was. I just really liked that. Yeah, no, we got power-ups in this world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You will grow big. And that's okay. (laughs) You need it in this world. Um, Things float. Uh, we have flying bricks. We have bricks with question marks on them. No, you don't have to ask questions. It's just there because it's yeah. our world. Um, so I really like the ridiculousness of it. Also, I was just fangirling with all the um, characters I was seeing. One of my favorite is King Boo. And I saw King Boo. Oh, yeah, King Boo. I was so excited to see King Boo. Um, and so I think another I, thing. I think the Boos are so cute. They are the cutest things in the world. They cover their eyes when you look at them. Yes, and then you, oh, they play peekaboo because they're goats and they say boo. They're the cutest things ever. I think they're one of my favorite characters in the Mario franchise. Um, And so seeing King Boo was dope. And I just, it was just a good time. So yeah, those are like my pros for now. Okay. Those are all great. Thank Um, you so much. I agree with with pretty much everything you said. I thought the movie was funny. Um, It's an inoffensive, simple story that makes sense and plots smoothly. I think that's a... A feat on its own, honestly, compared to many other movies that I've watched, even for this podcast, uh, having those simple uh, criteria met is uh, is a feat. Um, lots of Nintendo references that were faithful to the source while being new and more movie-like. I thought this was, you know, everything they put in here, I felt like was exactly the way that I'd always pictured it and was in some ways an ex- expansion on that idea. Uh, so I thought that was well done really uh, shows an understanding by the creators of this thing that they're making which makes sense because a lot of people that made this movie also make the games i also really like the deviations from the typical mario narrative quote unquote for example peach being like a main character or them saving luigi instead of peach thought that was smart like a really an obvious change that you would make if you're trying to make a narrative like this so um it felt very natural it felt appropriate and uh also like about time um i really liked jack black as bowser i thought he was awesome he's the best part of this movie i really liked his song it was another totally took me out of the movie in a really good way i loved it absolutely great um and if you want to you can there's a uh video by a uh, channel called lyrical lemonade that has um, jack black performing the song in some crazy set while he's doing like ballet and stuff it's hilarious um so if you want to hear it again and again you can definitely do that for uh, very easily uh we're not going to play it in the podcast because it's a great way to get copy striked so (laughs) anyway um i really like that peach becomes elsa at the end that just did not feel like an intentional reference but a reference i'm going to uh imagine they did on purpose anyway and of course like you mentioned the score is incredible 
um, I, my highlight for me was the superstar theme, the invincible star theme at the very end, which is like it's like an orchestra, but it's also got the awesome, really really cool. Um, the music in all the Mario games is something that is goes underappreciated, and um, the technical limitations that led to iconic music that has been expanded on over generations is something that the Mario franchise has known for and something that I love uh, to listen to. So um, this movie is just another example of that. But not every movie is perfect. What did you not like about this movie, Akita? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not like the greatest movie in the world so we gotta get into <laughs> it <laughs> um i will say off the bat because i loved the movie so much um i didn't have that many cons these cons are probably a little nitpicky um so um i'm excited to see what you have to say about it because <laughs> it's gonna be fun um i will say again though i will like chris pratt's voice acting is still out for the jury for me um because i and this this also came to a head um in some other voice acting like jack black's bowser was great um but when you when you heard him start singing that peaches song you could start hearing oh that's jack black absolutely no, <laughs> you like, can definitely he hear has that. he has a quite a range right? yes he's got he the, does the deep gravelly bowser voice absolutely and then he's but he's also very inflective because yes. bowser is like the motivation, Bowser's motivations are so kind of wacky yes. that he kind of fluctuates in between. And then the song is sort of the most extreme version yeah, of that. Yeah, it is. But you definitely can hear Jack Black's Absolutely. voice in there. Especially if you've known, yeah, especially if you've known Jack Black and what he can do and what he does. I wouldn't say it took me out, but it's just something that is just heavy on my mind. So I, and this has been the thing for any animated movie I've watched recently, like I continue to have like minor issues about casting these big A-list actors in these roles, especially these. So I will give Super Mario's the benefit, Super Mario the benefit of the doubt because not a lot of characters do speak much, but they do speak. Um, mm -hmm. And when they speak, we can hear what they, you know, say and what they do. Um, and so I know one of the, I'm going to bring up one of my biggest gripes with this is, um, remember Space Jam? <laughs> Yes, I remember Space Jam. Do you remember Zendaya? <laughs> I could, I and I love her so much. But in her um, role, I was really taking taken out of it, and I just think it's because a lot of A list actors and some of these people in the movie have done voice acting before, um, but they're not like trained voice actors that do multiple different voices now i know like john dimaggio was in this like he it, that's a range he does many different voice characters um but for me with the voice acting it can sometimes take me out of it especially in a movie like this so that's one of my cons i guess um also this is a con but it was more of like it's a thing that we can point out, but the story was pretty simple. I'll say that. Um, I was talking to Ben about this where the characters didn't have much of an arc, I guess, as far as I know for Mario's story, um, which I really did like was, you know, you keep getting back up. And, it's, and, and for the Mario franchise, it is essential to know that 
no matter how many times you're going to get knocked down, you're just going to keep getting up and you're going to keep redoing like the levels in the game. Um, so for him, the quote of, you know, you don't know when to quit. I did like that piece, but it was something he had already established in the beginning and it was just for him just reinforced <laughs> towards right. the end. Um, so the story I feel like was pretty simple, but I'm going to be honest, I don't really play the games for the story. <laughs> I don't. Yes. I don't. I play the games because I want to play the levels and it's fun to um, boop on Koopa's heads and, you know, break some things while I'm out there and get to the flag at the end. Um, so the story was simple, but I didn't really... It wasn't that big of a con for me. Got it. Um, another con, which came from my prose, was there are a lot of references in the movie. Many. <sighs> Nintendo owns a lot of properties. <laughs> and so um, there, I think it got to a point where I could see some references going straight over um, moviegoers who've never played the Mario games before, like just going over their heads and not entirely sure like what was the purpose of that or why did that have to be there? Um, I remember I saw a comment somewhere saying like, why the hell did he turn into a cat? Mm. <laughs> For me, I knew exactly where that came from. And I was having a ball when he turned into a cat um, or when he used the leaf to turn into a little raccoon thing. I knew exactly yeah, yeah. where that came from. Um, but there's some people who are going to watch this movie who probably have never seen that before. Even like older generations who aren't even playing the newer games. Cause I think the cat came from like 3d world. Um, yeah. and so I know a lot of older people are probably just like, ah. <laughs> I don't really know where that came from. Um, but you could on the flip side of that, just know this is just a part of the world and you're just going to get random power ups. And this is, I guess this is a part of the games that you play. Um, so I will say that. So it might be giving a little, you know, having audiences feel a little left out when they're watching. But, you know, I had a good time. So it didn't really matter to me. <laughs> um, I will say I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest con that I had was the soundtrack. Because there's a score and then there's a soundtrack. And I think the soundtrack took me out of the movie just a little bit. Um, there were songs that I knew. So I was excited when I started hearing them. And I was like, oh, my God, I know this like little 80s song. Um, but in the context of the the theme of Mario, I didn't really see why some of these songs needed to be added. Especially when you have such a such like really huge material with the score that they have you could they have so many songs um so i'm not entirely sure why the 80s part had to come in i think maybe another nostalgia it's, that's thing. just illuminations like that's their bread thing. and butter that's you know thing. yeah they're always playing these pop songs always. and i i can't stop thinking about the original suicide squad with uh jared mm. leto did you see that movie i did and um and will smith yeah um that movie was like I can't remember what the exact um, phrasing was, but mm. it's, uh, I'll paraphrase that it was like uh, in being in the car with someone who has ADHD <gasps> oh or ADD, gosh. and uh, they had control of like the the playlist. Yes. They kept you know, they would just change the <laughs> um, song midway through the song to a different song yes. that was like tonally identical, just because they had both. I guess I it was guess. so confusing, uh, and it was. Um, yeah, it was it's really it's just really distracting. Yeah. And honestly, that movie kind of ruined that for me mm. because now I now, because that movie was like just such a, sink, a stinker all around that 
any movie that calls to that, even in the reference of like, we have a lot of songs in this, yes. makes me cringe. It's Not, like, yeah, cringe. Don't do that. Cringe don't have is to a do good that. word. Cringe you is know? a good word. Yeah. So I, I don't, uh, I don't appreciate it. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I such, I have a uh, specific love of um, that song. What's it called? The uh, We Need a Hero. Yes. Uh, I my DM when we played Dungeons and Dragons once found Ooh. a remix of that and played it on a loop for about three hours Ooh. and it was awesome. Oh <laughs> like, my we goodness. got us so hyped up <laughs> while we were fighting the big boss. <laughs> and now every time I hear it, I like I get that feeling again. Yes. So I was super into it when he when that was playing. I love that. But, but yeah. I was also in the back of my head being like, I shouldn't like this. I shouldn't, this I shouldn't like this. <laughs> this no, you should. If you like it, you do, Joey. <laughs> Thanks, Kita. Thanks. <laughs> and so, yeah, so some of that took me out. I think another thing is because I couldn't get out of my mind that these are 80s rock songs. Chris Pratt is the main character of this. I kept going back to Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was like, I don't want to think of Guardians of the Galaxy while I'm watching this movie. I'm watching Mario. I don't understand. Um, and so, yeah, the soundtrack, I will say, I'm. I will say, I'm glad they didn't play, like, current today pop music that would have really took me out I don't know why I think having like the 80s music makes a little bit of sense because that's when the Mario movies or the Mario games kind of started and when they came out so if they were gonna have soundtrack pop music then sure the 80s sure yeah (laughs) um and then the last one this one I'm still back and forth about um because I really did love the fact that and I'm Surprised I didn't put this in my prose. Um, I love the fact that we gave Peach a character. <laughs> like she became a character, um, which is awesome. And it doesn't even really deviate from, it, it deviates from like the Super Mario Bros. games, but like Peach has become her own character in uh, other games that she has. And so glad they did that. And so the damsel in distress at this point is Luigi now, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um to give that and then going into my pro of like the brotherly the brotherhood um and the sanctity of that but I didn't really understand I think after like a day after watching I didn't really understand why they had to have Luigi be a damsel in distress um I thought it would have been a really cool time for us to get to know uh, Luigi and Mario as brothers a little bit more, especially for that payoff at the end, would have been dope. Um, I mean, it still was. Let no, me I completely agree. That with you. and the, so Luigi is not given anything to do. Yeah, in no, movie. he was in a cage the whole movie. He was, yeah, he was. Like, there was at the beginning, it's sort of teased that he's going to be. This is the brothers, right? Yes. They're going to be a team. This is the brothers. But they get split up almost immediately. Yeah. As soon as they enter into the pipe. Yes. And then they're apart the rest of the movie. Exactly. And Luigi doesn't do anything Mm-mm. except for at the very end, he helps Mario with like against Bowser. Yeah. Right? Um, but up to that point, he's completely regular, like relegated to useless. Very he doesn't, passive. Yeah. He doesn't do anything in the cage, Mm-mm. right? He's like just whimpering the whole time. Might as well Even be when Peach. The, at that point exactly exactly so um i understand like for conciseness right Mm -hmm. you want to kind of keep things together but honestly yeah luigi as usual gets the short end of the stick yep um so 
Uh, maybe that was on purpose. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe, and I do. I do personally like Luigi. Like whenever I'm able to play as Luigi in any games, I get hype. Cause like, yeah, I, yeah. I heard you, Mario. I heard you with Super Mario Galaxy. I heard you with Super Mario Bros. But yeah. Luigi is here. <laughs> He's but, great. Yeah, there's a few years ago. I think it was when Mario Kart Eight came out. Yeah. They had like a year of Luigi or something oh like that. Oh my gosh. Where they like were like hyping up. There's like a marketing campaign surrounding Luigi. Yeah. And I remember people being like being excited about that, that because was fun. it felt like he was sort of an unsung hero yes um, i do and it feels like it feels like nintendo is sort of aware of the of where luigi has like accidentally fallen right. because of the structure of the games but this movie doesn't do anything to to remedy that in yeah, my opinion i agree okay i um for me and i want to kind of get into this a little deeper later but yeah. I, it, it lacks like the what i like about gaming um, and what I like about the Mario games, like, like you were mentioning earlier about the story, I think that's a really good jumping off point. Um, this movie is sanitized, it's safe, and ultimately it feels completely bland. And um, uh, because of the um, uh, because of ba Bowser's ballad in the middle of it, uh, that lent me toward like, oh, this movie is very silly, but the rest of it doesn't fit that. And so I, I have to say it's sort of totally inconsistent. And although as much, and I really wish that it was more like uh, the Bowser's Ballad. I wish there was more of that zaniness, more of that like, kind of insanity, uh, more of that weirdness that w had been flowed in. Because just getting a taste of it sort of made me really miss it the rest of the movie. So, okay, well, that's our pros and cons, but let's move into our overall section. And I've got a bunch of questions for Kita to stimulate our conversation. And we'll start off with this one, which you've sort of already alluded to, but what's your experience with Mario? Have you played a lot of Mario games? Do you have a favorite Mario game? Yeah, I. so I am not a gamer girl. I wish I was, because I watch- Right, I wish I was. I'm more of like a Sims girl, like still a gamer, but I'm more like a Sims girl. Yeah, um, yeah. But I loved, for some reason, I gravitated towards Mario games. And so I played a lot of Mario games growing up, um, especially with my brother. I would get into a lot of games solely because of him. And so uh, I was, I started with Super Mario Bros on like the Nintendo DS. So whenever I got a Nintendo DS for Christmas, the first game that was in my little pack was Super Mario Bros. Um, and I was addicted to those games. I was addicted to being able to beat those levels and getting it harder and harder until I couldn't. And then I told my brother to beat it. And then he would beat it real quick. And then I would just jump back into it. Um, and so then it got transitioned to Wii. So we got the Wii for Christmas. And they were like, hey, look, guys, we have Super Mario on the Wii. And we said, on the big screen? Of course. Um, and we could play two people? Of course. Um, and I also loved Mario Kart. I think I started transitioning more into Mario Kart um, after Super Mario Bros. And so Mario Kart was fun. We played all of the little games that were associated with it we got to play as our favorite characters i was always king boo i don't know why oh, yeah. but i was always king boo when i did mario kart especially when we unlocked that character um and then i think the last mario game i ever played was super mario galaxy that i played like all the way through um and super mario galaxy was i think my favorite mario game and like that was it was so 
pretty to me and it was galaxy. So we got to do a lot more things. It was 3D at that point. So we were exploring the world. Um, And so I thought that was great. And so every little reference that I was able to see in the movie, I was like, oh my God, I played as that (laughs) when I was there um, and when I was playing. Another kind of experience I have with it is so I don't play them anymore, but I also get great enjoyment by watching some of my favorite like YouTube gamers play them. Um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of like Dashy Games, but he Mario Maker? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god, Kita. (laughs) I watch him play all the time. You know how much I spent hundreds of hours watching people play Mario Maker. It's it's so dope to see. I love my favorite ones are like the run throughs. Like you are just having to just go and just run. Um and just making last minute quick decisions and just seeing the the creativeness of the Super Mario world or maker world. And so he started with the Super Mario Bros and I started watching him like I think it's going on like 10 years now. Jesus. And so I watched, I started watching him play it um, back in when I was in high school. And um, I just continued watching him up until literally today because he went to go see the Mario movie too. So he decided to play Super Mario Galaxy again. And I was like, stop. I was like, Dashie, please. (laughs) Um, So even after not playing the games, just watching someone play them has been you know equally just as fun for me and so I just caught a lot of I could still catch on what was going on in the movie so that was really fun for me to see um so yeah that's my experience with Mario I love that is so great actually thank Um, you (laughs) I will say that uh Super Mario Galaxy is probably my favorite Mario game too yeah I love that game there are there are it's been probably three or four times when I've just suddenly had the urge to play it again yes. and try to find a way to f- play it. Absolutely. And it's just it's just kind of sort of out of reach. I think they're about to re-release it on oh. the Switch or something okay, like that. Okay, yeah. Okay, I or can they, see that. They, or maybe they just did it like last month or yeah. something. But wow. um, my Switch is not in good shape because of Joy-Con <laughs> drift. But Jesus. That's another thing. Anyway. <laughs> another thing. <laughs> Uh, my the other one I really like is 3D 3D World. Yeah, 3D uh, World is gorgeous. I played 3D World so many times. Wow. Me and my roommate Mike uh, beat almost beat the entire game ourselves Ooh. all the way through the Champions Road. Champions Road. We spent I don't know how many times we played it. Probably uh, 200, maybe 300 attempts, and never were able to beat it together. Jesus. Um, it's uh, it's it's tough. But that song. Love that song. I know. Um, 3D Gats World is amazing. It, it has mm-hmm. some issues like with the camera and stuff, but I absolutely love that game. Um, and I could play it. I could play it over and over again. Um, yeah. And I also love Mario Maker. Yeah. I've I'm recently on like a YouTube purge. Like I've stopped okay. watching as much YouTube. Yeah. But before that, I I would watch religiously Carl Sagan 42's videos okay. on Mario Maker. Wow. He plays explicitly uh, what you would call, what he calls troll levels. Okay, yeah. Which is not what you might expect they are. Mm. They are really elaborate puzzles that are built around playing with your expectations. Wow. And they uh, they have some of the most complicated contraptions I've ever seen. They're so amazing. And it's all about breaking the rules of Mario 
to make things happen that are unexpected. So one of the things is, and maybe you would appreciate this, is like if you're if you go through a door, right, it resets the room. Yes. But um, so one of the hallmarks of troll levels is sometimes you go through a door and it looks like it's going to go to one door, but it actually takes you to a different one. Oh, or one. you reset the room and the room is somehow completely different. Oh, goodness. Or like you'll die and the and something different happens the second time. And the mechanics that happen behind that are well documented on YouTube. You can find all sorts of ways of doing it, but it's so complicated. I bet. And it's a beautiful to watch it come together. What's amazing is um, most of the people that make these levels make them specifically so Carl will play them on his stream, yeah. which means that they are specifically designed to mess with him <sighs> specifically, um, which gives the impression Lovely. that he's been playing this game for, what, seven or eight years? Yeah. And he's not getting any better. But the truth is, is that he's really good at it. Yes. It's just that yeah. every time he makes any sort of improvement or starts to learn a trick, the troll makers learn how to anticipate that and find new ways of killing him. Wow. It's amazing. That is so um, elaborate. That's crazy it really is. to me. And it's one of those things where like, it's really hard to show to people because unless you understand intimately the rules right. of Mario and Mario Maker, yes. it's really hard to understand how clever they're being. Absolutely. Um, and it's also, it's not just that, right? It's not just breaking the rules of Mario. Mm -hmm. They also have a well-established troll guide written by Defender. It's like a 20-page no Google way. Doc that explains <laughs> all the rules about how to make a good troll level. What? And it, the meta has gone from adhering to the troll guide to now riffing off the troll guide. So you break specific rules in the troll guide just to further be un more unexpected. That's um, crazy to me. It's really, really amazing stuff. It's some of the most innovative gaming I've ever seen, and it really, really tickles my my brain. I uh, bet. I love secret knowledge and stuff like that. So anyway. It, I, I love yeah. that. And All I have to say, I'm also a big Mario fan. Ah, yes. I, I will... I will consume mario content all day all day if you let me. <laughs> all day all day and even just that fact that super mario maker can give players the opportunity to think of things like that yeah i think is why i also just love to watch people play it because it's one of their best games it's yeah one of their, it's it's very uncharacteristic for nintendo because they're so protective of their ip That's but the true. fact that they let people like mess with it in this way and come up with really really creative stuff yes. stuff, stuff that rivals mechanics in traditional Nintendo levels Ooh. built around stuff that they never intended for people to do. Absolutely. Very, very clever. And um, although Carl loves glitches and broken levels, um, there's plenty of them out there that don't get banned by Nintendo oh, right. that are very, very good. So That's good. That's good. Anyway, that's enough about that. Um, let, <laughs> that was let's great. move back to this movie. So uh, Bowser's motivation in this movie mm -hmm. is not just to take over the world, right? He wants to marry Peach. Yes. Um, what did you think of this? Did you, did you like this um, this decision? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's like a, I like the decision. I think it's more of, it tracks. <laughs> like I, you know, um, I, I was reading a couple of things about like today's, like 2023, how audiences would receive Bowser being the way he is and wanting to kind of control Peach the way he does. And at first I was kind of on board. I was like, yeah, it's 2023. Why do you still have Bowser doing this? And then I remember Bowser is a villain. <laughs> Bowser going to do villain things. He's going yes. to be problematic. He's going to be toxic. You know, those words. Um, and so it didn't. And, and because of that, you know, you know, he has to be thwarted in some way. And so I, 
I still think it was a good choice for the movie because Bowser is our big bad. You know, Bowser is the one that will always cause the problems. Um, and so this is a problem. This is not good. Bowser should not be wanting to control <laughs> and kidnap yeah. um, and and have someone in his life that doesn't know or want to be there as well. You know, consent is a thing. And I think because it is a... It's a family movie, so obviously you're going to bring your kids to see it as well. Um, I think his motivation is bad and nonsensical. And even when I thought it was so funny in the movie where um, every, all the Koopas were so excited, they were getting so hyped up for his <laughs> plan. And then he finally told them his plan and they said, wait, hold on, wait. Is that what we're... <laughs> Is that what we're doing? <laughs> like it it was they the movie knows it's ridiculous. The movie knows yeah. it's not right. <laughs> and he is a villain for that. Um so to have kids know that and understand that, um I think it, you know, it's easy for audiences to kind of grasp on like, yeah, Bowser's bad. He lives in a layer full of lava and he wants to destroy everything. So obviously we're not going to be on board. To what he wants to do. Um, and I think at this point, especially with Peach being the character that she is now, so having so much agency, having so much voice um, in the decisions that she makes and what happens to her, um, I, think it was a, I think it was a good choice. Do I like I agree. his? I was about to say, do I like his motivation? No. <laughs> but I think it makes sense. It tracks for me. I, I agree with that. And it's, it's really interesting you say that mm -hmm. because it is, it, it is sort of a condemnation of like a simp yes culture right absolutely. or that kind of attitude yeah right and it is funny to think of like our big bad guy as uh kind of being love struck mm -hmm. but like love struck. It's, it's not actually hard to translate that into real world yeah. misogyny you know absolutely and there's lots of guys that go to the gym every day that sort of think like this yeah. you know so it I, I in some ways it does track really well and i do think i do find it frustrating when people are like we shouldn't show examples of bad behavior on tele on, on movies because that would teach people that that's okay okay it's like well what if you have them say that's bad right like it's easy to tell them it's bad especially when you have this big of a villain doing the bad thing yeah bowser's the ultimate villain the, right? literally the ultimate yeah, so always yeah, gets beaten I, I, at the end. Of I, the I totally agree with you. Yeah, okay. um, and I think I, I think we just need to give kids more credit when it comes to stuff like that. Like, absolutely, yes, they are easily influenced. It's their brains. It's what happens. But they also know if I see a big evil looking thing in a big evil looking layer against the people we're supposed to be rooting for okay, then whatever he does, it's probably not going to be right. And so giving right. kids that credit of, they'll know right from wrong if you just tell them right from wrong. <laughs> and so, and yeah. There's there's examples of plenty of, in plenty of kids' media of like characters lying yeah, to absolutely. get what they want, right? When saying one thing when uh, they actually mean the opposite yeah. or the opposite is true and seeing how that comes back to them, mm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of an abstract concept, but it's really not difficult for kids to grasp. Not at I agree all. with you. I don't think we give kids enough credit. We don't. Okay, so going off of that, mm -hmm. another, I guess, uh, change to the typical Mario narrative is Peach's transformation. Yep. Um, I you've talked about this in your prose too mm -hmm. about how this is this is a good thing. You yeah. care to expand on that? I can expand on a little bit. Um, I think her portrayal was very current. I think um, I was saying that if we had Peach in the movie, like she just had to be in the movie and she's still 
remained the same as she was in the games. I'm not entirely sure how a lot of audiences would receive Peach if that was the thing. Like if she continued to, if she was the one in the cages, not Luigi the entire time. I think that's something even just as like adults and even just young adults. So like Gen Z um, and millennials kind of looking at this and being like, now we could have had an opportunity here. Um, And I feel like Nintendo didn't want to hear that. So (laughs) they gave Peach and I don't even think it's like a girl boss because I keep hearing like girl boss, girl power. And yes, that's also great. And I love that as a queen. Exactly. Like as a girl myself. Um, I don't think it was that really. It was just giving her an agency. It was it was giving her the chance to choose her fate. <laughs> it was right. giving her the decision um, to be who she wants to be in this world. And I'm glad they touched on that the um, mushrooms in the mushroom kingdoms are little toads running around. They saw her, took her in, saw that she was going to grow big. And they said, you know who we need? <laughs> someone to lead us and guide us and she can do that at the scene where mario had to go through the trial um obstacle course she was able to get it on her first try and they were saying not because she's a girl and she does girl boss things it's because she grew up in the world so it was easy for her to kind of get through the obstacle um still wanted to make mario feel better but i feel like that was truly the case and so when, you know, Bowser was saying, you know, marry me, I don't think it was like a girl boss feminist moment for her to be like, no, <laughs> I think it was a, why would I do that? Like, I live in this world. I have a mind. I know what makes sense. I know what doesn't. Um, no, I, I'm not going to marry you. You're trying to destroy my kingdom. And so I loved her portrayal. I loved her outfits. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about her. outfits. Oh, I absolutely loved her. outfits. I oh loved my gosh. her outfit. When I came home. From watching this movie, yes. I was like, Jenny, she wore so many outfits. She's so many. <laughs> and I get so excited when I see cartoon characters change their outfits. Especially yes. someone like Peach when her different power-ups, and that happens in the games too. Um, yes. But in the in the power-ups, her dress changed. She changed for the Mario um, kart racing. I just thought she just looked so good. But then she oh, also yeah. was still a princess. You know what I mean? She was also still very girly, very feminine. She wore pink. She wore, you know, jewelry. She wore her crown. And so I think you know, she still talked very soft. She, when she would raise her voice, it wasn't nothing terribly crazy. So she still kept a lot of those very feminine aspects that I really liked about Peach growing up. Um, but it was just her being a character, her not needing Mario to rescue her every single time Bowser wants to come and get her. Um, and then she didn't even make it easy for Bowser to get her. You know what I mean? Like in the movies, it was just, come on, Peach. And she would go, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this in this one, it was more of like, I'm not gonna make it easy for you though. Even if we even if you're giving me an ultimatum, you're coercing me to do it, I'm not gonna make it easy. So I loved it. It was great. Yeah, was I I agree with everything you just said. I think yeah. it's uh important to like when you're writing a female character to keep her femininity, right? It's not enough to write a male character and then suddenly make them female, right? You have to have that femaleness in mind the entire time um this is just an an example of how you have to be like go through hell in order to be right which but i can't stop thinking about anita sarkeesian and uh tropes versus women those that series have you ever watched those videos 
Oh, they're so good. They're amazing. Yes, I uh, don't think so. They're 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 some of the most like progressive feminist theory about video games uh, from that time period. And wow. it, honestly, the start of Gamergate was because she was so right about those. <laughs> and one of the things she talks about is Mario and Peach and the mm. trope of rescuing the princess. Absolutely. Right? And there's absolutely no way that the, going back to your original point, that if we had Peach in her traditional role, mm-hmm. that this argument wouldn't immediately come up. Absolutely. And it, it, honestly, we're beyond that at this point. We are. You know, we, we really are. And we, that was, those movies, those videos were from 2013. Mm-hmm. And even then, they were long past due, right? Absolutely. And it's absolutely the case that um, although I think the structure of the Mario games is, the story is so weak that Peach being simply an object is only like a reflection of the problematic symptoms of our society, not yeah. necessarily contributing directly. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that if you're going to have a narrative like you have in this movie, putting her, making a narrative reason for her to, to be trapped the whole time is far, far worse. I bet. So um, this is, this is, yeah, this is a great choice for, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought Peach was colorful, yes. helpful, interesting, and um, I yeah I thought that like was a highlight for for me in this movie. I for loved sure. it. Yeah. Um, okay, we're, we're going through the changes here. Uh, so Mario and Luigi, uh, they are not just they're not from the Mar- the Mushroom Kingdom. They're actually from Brooklyn. They, they love pizza. Uh, <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> they're Italian Americans uh, who live they in New are. York City. So what did you what did you make of this? Oh um, man. Yeah, um, I could only, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just funny. I thought, I thought they found a creative way to say, we're not going to do those accents the whole movie. We're just right. not doing it. <laughs> and, um, they're still, you know, have an Italian background, you know, Italian descent, they're Italian American. Um, so I still liked that their quips and their phrases and things like that were still like Italian, like the Mamma Mia types of things. Um, yeah. I still liked that. And I, but they're from Brooklyn, they're plumbers. So I feel like the context of them being plumbers and plumber bros um, and having this business, it makes sense because we got plumbing issues. So they would, mm-hmm. and I I think it was also creative of how they found the Mushroom Kingdom through Brooklyn. Um, because Brooklyn, especially as far as New York, they have a lot of underground systems. I feel like a lot more than at least like where we're from. Um, so, so for them to, you have to make a, a story of like, how did Mario the Human even fall up into this world? Um, and it was, and it was also, I think for them being Italian-American, you could see the family unit was so strong. Um, and so I kind of like that aspect of it to m- kind of further push a little bit that Mario and Luigi are so close is because they are from an Italian family. Like that is their thing. That's their shtick. Then they stick together. Um, so them being from Brooklyn, I thought it was fine. Um, I think still keeping their Italianness 
while also not having us listen to their accents the whole movie, I think makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah, I mean, we can't stand an Italian accent. Come on, yeah. ridiculous. We can't do it, especially if they're going to speak English. <laughs> speak English. Speak American. Speak American the American. Movie. Please. Made by Japanese characters. Made by Japanese. Made by Japanese. That doesn't matter. It's a- Not at all. That doesn't matter. They're Americans. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is this is a weird. This is weird for me. I like. The more I reflected on it, the more I'm like, this is fine. I don't really have a problem with this. Yeah. It just feels like we have all of these kind of random pieces of lore yep. that are in the Mario universe. And it's like, it feels like they're trying to do everything at once. Yes. You know, it feels like they're trying to connect everything together and make it into some sort of coherency. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't have a lot of patience for that. <laughs> um, the, right. uh, what were they called? The, the, there's this YouTube channel where they they obsess over Pixar movies. Oh my um, god, the Super Carlin Brothers. Super Carlin Bros. Yes. Uh, I can't stand the Pixar theory. Lord. I think it's the most I, I think it's the most um like it's very over com- it's very convoluted. like yes. overthought uh, like completely missing the point piece <laughs> of like media criticism that's ever existed. Yeah. It actually originated with Cracked on After Hours as a okay. joke. They actually had one where they an episode where they purposely strung all of the Pixar movies together in this uh, Pixar uh, ultimate Pixar theory. Yes, and she said as it a was, joke. Yeah, it was just an <laughs> it, was, it was something that they did on that show all the time. Was yeah. like trying to pe- like try to reconcile uh, differences in lore in canon, and it was sort of a, a tongue in cheek type thing. And they yeah. always did a very funny job. But then it was taken so seriously and and expanded on over and over again. Like every time a new Pixar movie comes out, it's like, well, how does this fit how does into? This fit into that? I just can't stand it. I don't care. You know, it's so dumb. <laughs> I, and I don't want. I don't need the Mario movie to do that either. Right. I, honestly, I don't feel strongly one way or the other about the Brooklyn thing. I think it's fine mostly but this idea that every little piece of the constellation has to make Mm, sense and if you connect all the dots it finally makes some picture that somebody you know uh, actually was constructing is ridiculous it's QAnon level of like uh, conspiracy minded um, web slinging so I'm I'm I don't have a lot of patience for it but honestly whatever I'm fine with it (laughs) no whatever (laughs) yeah they're from Brooklyn (laughs) <laughs> they're from Brooklyn. They're from Brooklyn. <laughs> I walk in here. I'm plumbing here. I'm plumbing. There's, there's turtles in the pipes. <laughs> <sighs> We're sticking together like pasta, brother. Please. Uh, Alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um, so you have, you know, a pretty substantial Mario history. I don't know what you're what your experience is with video game movies is. Mm. But lots of other video game movies have been critical failures. Mm. A lot, a, quite a few of them have actually done well in the box office. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's lots of them that have just stinkers. And for a long time, the prevailing thought in Hollywood was a video game adaptation will always fail. Mm. Um, so why do you think this one succeeds or doesn't uh, where others have or have not? I have some history with it. I know I was just able to finish like The Last of Us on HBO. Um, And then also I think the last one that I saw in the movies was Uncharted. And I also saw saw Mortal Kombat. I saw Mortal Kombat. Yeah, (laughs) Mortal Kombat. (laughs) And so I have some experience with it because... And I mean experience like playing the game or seeing someone play the game while also watching the movie. 
And so the only thing I can think of as far as like where Mario might have succeeded is I don't think they take themselves like too seriously where I feel like others have taken their movies way too seriously. Or they also just tried to veer a little too far from like the source material because I feel like when you're making an adaptation and this can even go back to books too even when you're if you're making like a video game adaptation um you have a huge fan base already and so when you're able to lean in to the source that you already have now I will say it is pretty safe to the material okay (laughs) Like they say, we're not going to take too many liberties, um, which I think worked in their favor this time a bit because a lot of people are like, I know every part of this. Like there's nothing out of the ordinary. That's nothing that I, that has to challenge my brain about what I'm watching. I know exactly what I'm getting myself into here. Um, and so I think for this movie, they went all in with it, with it, the ridiculousness of it, with the world that it's in. I think because it was fully animated um, and the animators are phenomenal and they had Nintendo on the team at this point, it was easy for the writers to play with everything. Um, And then you could also tell they had, I feel like they had fun animating it. Um, The story, whole other thing. But I think think when you animated the movie, they had a lot of fun with it because you had Nintendo on the team letting them know like you guys can use all of these things that we have um but you know we are going to be over your shoulder letting you know what's going on um and it was inf- i think that i think it was infectious you could tell that the animators had fun with it um you can tell that even the voice actors had fun with it and it was just infectious so we were all excited so from the power ups to rainbow road i think they were pretty confident in what movie they were trying to make and wanting to make. Um, it was definitely fan service type of thing. And we just kind of had to jump in and enjoy the ride. Um, also, <laughs> I think another reason why this worked is because um, I think Mario can be seen at like in the video game world, like an equivalent to Mickey Mouse at this point. Mm. Um, so huge audiences, not only here in the US, but obviously abroad, um, are extremely familiar with him. Um, and so, and just not even just with him, but even all the other characters. And so I think with uh, video games like Uncharted or Mortal Kombat, um, yes, they're pretty popular, but I don't think there's like a small niche of people that they could attract to come to the theaters. With Mario, they say, oh, I've heard of him before. Let's right. go watch. <laughs> um, even if you've never played. It's very interesting you bring up Mickey Mouse because mm-hmm. Miyamoto, the creator of the Mario games, he has gone on record several times as talking about Mar- Mickey being an inspiration mm-hmm. for Mario. Absolutely. As, like a, as a character that embodies all of the Nintendo brand, but also as sort of this timeless, mm-hmm. interchangeable character that can just kind of be slotted in for lots of different things absolutely um uh there's this quote i found from this uh website called uh nikia asia uh from miyamoto that says Mm. many parents want to keep their children from playing video games but these same parents have no problem allowing them to watch disney movies Mm. um the the contradiction bothers miyamoto and could thwart his plans to topple mickey Mm. and Further quote, we cannot seriously challenge Disney unless parents start feeling comfortable about their children playing Nintendo. Right. So there's this there's this uh, uh, obvious or 
very um, explicit uh, rivalry or competition yeah. between Disney and Nintendo. They see themselves as sort of operating almost in the same sphere, even though this is the first real Nintendo movie. And, um, you know, Disney doesn't really make games beyond like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, right. <laughs> it's interesting to see that kind of come together here. And it is interesting to think about this movie in terms of the video game movie like legacy. Yeah. Um, so I have some box office numbers for you. Oh, please um, yes. For example, this is the highest grossing debut for a video game adaptation, outranking 2022's Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at 71, 72.1 million. So this is actually pretty... This is actually a pretty unique release schedule mm. for this movie. It actually had a five-day opening weekend. It opened on Wednesday for mm. uh, on Easter, meaning that it had a long weekend for yeah. people to go see the movie, which means that it actually fits into some of the other uh, ones that it's competing against. For example, it's the second biggest debut ever for an animated movie, outpacing 2016's Finding Dory, mm. and it's three-day opening weekend of 135.1 million um, and following the Incredibles 2 in its three-day debut of 183 million so it's um, uh, those two movies both had three-day weekends this one had a five-day weekend which is usually not the case but obviously it's a huge movie they knew it was going to be huge Um, it is the highest grossing movie of 2023 yeah so it's doing really well as an animated movie it's doing really well as a video game adaptation but video game adaptations have been on the rise Sonic, Sonic they Two, um, even movies like Tomb Raider have actually are actually just for inflation, uh, pretty high up there as far as box office goes. Even though critically that movie suffered, mm. so it's um, uh, this idea that like you know video game movies don't really make money. Not really necessarily true. They yeah. are kind of expensive t- sometimes, and it's also um, kind of been shifting. Last of Us is a great example of how that attitude is shifting. That game is. Uh, uniquely cinematic yeah which means that it could become a, a show pretty easily yeah. i think but i think that the people that are making these things or trying to adapt them are getting smarter about it mm. and are, are doing a better job another another notable example my favorite video game adaptation is castlevania on oh, netflix okay really great show i didn't um, know that was a video game first yes it wow. was okay. um, love that show and uh that's that's a uh yeah, so that, that was an example of something, an exception to the rule, in, in my opinion. Yeah. But I, honestly, I, I can't really say too much bad stuff about this movie, and I feel like this kind of falls into it. But, you know, I'm going to try anyway, all right? Yeah, let's um, do it. <laughs> so I think this movie is well-written, well-voice-acted. It's fun. It's fast-paced. It, it's faithful to source material, and it makes lots of jokes that land with audiences, young and old. Um, my wife said that one of her... Uh, kids that she teaches said uh, she asked her how she what she thought about the Mario movie and the kids said something along the lines of they made lots of jokes that I like and honestly that's how I think about it <laughs> that's how I think about all yeah. movies at this point <laughs> they make jokes that I like yes um, it's it's from a, a franchise that I love and a, ca- a company that I respect for their artistic vision so why do I feel so cynical about mm, it? Yeah. I, I kind of feel insecure about this position. I want to believe I'm not the only one that feels this way, but I can't help but feel like I'm out of touch. I know there's a tendency to mistake cynicism for lack of naivety, but I don't want to default to cynicism if I don't have a good reason. Okay. Uh, so, But I do think I have a good reason. Uh, if we're mapping the ability of media conglomerates to create successful art, this movie has to, to be one remarkable peak 
in that landscape. Video game movies have historically been very poorly received, but this one is extremely popular. Uh, when there are adaptations to beloved franchises, often the public reception is poor, like you said, for books too, right? Yeah. Uh, but this movie proves that corporations have unlocked what makes a movie work, and they created a rubric that they can follow. This gives the empty feeling of a movie that does everything right, but takes no chances. It used to be that when a huge company tried to make a movie, it would fall apart in hilarious ways. You already mentioned Space Jam 2. Ooh. Space Jam 2 is a great example. The plot is nonsensical. The acting is wooden. Its hook is weak. Its pacing and plotting just poor. Mm. It has some really great little moments and fun references, but it's a corporate, it's a shallow corporate product, and that shines through. The Super Mario Bros. movie is no less shallow, but that is obscured by competent direction, story, and acting. Watching this movie, it's not clear why corporations shouldn't make a 90-minute commercial and then put it into movie theaters. If the result is this, then what's the harm? I, I don't know. I, I can't say it wasn't enjoyable. It just wasn't anything special. It's bland. It's forgettable. It kind of made me want to go home and play some Mario, but <laughs> that's <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> So want to. <laughs> I was trying to think of other movies to compare this to. And um, it's not, you know, maybe it's not fair to compare movies directly one to one. But uh, when you're talking about giant companies making movies, the one that comes to mind most readily is the Lego movie. Oh, yes. uh, the Lego movie came out in 2014. It's one of my favorite movies ever made. I love it. I think it's amazing. The tone of that movie is completely zany. And it starts off completely zany. There are plenty of quiet, quiet character moments and introspective meditations about the coming apocalypse, plus heart-wrenching horrors that are only meaningful in the well-established world of the movie. Right. Remember when the, Liam Neeson's character gets his face scrubbed off or his parents get glued? <laughs> or when Cloud gets destroyed and falls into the ocean? Yes. The entire world destroyed? That's, that's like Alderaan levels of destruction that's here. That's devastating. It's incredible. Anyway, wow. um, it never that that movie never feels like it's being completely serious, and it makes light of everything it touches. But in a way, that only makes everything more endearing. It's playing, and although the story is rock solid, it feels improvisational and off the wall. The Mario movie's tone is much less meta. It's straightforward and simple. It's an action adventure comedy. The stakes are high. The danger is great, but it's nothing we haven't come to expect. The only time the movie truly is silly, like I mentioned, is when mm -hmm. Jack Black gets to really stretch his musical and voice talents. Uh, but then it goes right back to being safe. The emotions at play are on simmer. They never come to a boil. The best we get is a sudden flash, but then it's gone in an instant. The Lego movie ends with a moment of radical acceptance. The bad guy is not defeated. He is finally seen. And the movie pulls all the way back and gives us a wider context about what it means to be creative, what it means to play, and how it can bring generations together using the medium of Legos. It's sappy, but it wants to connect to something deeper, mm -hmm. something that, if you're a toy maker, you might actually believe about your product. It's not enough to be inside the established world of Lego. It's about how people play with Legos and what they might mean to people. Mm. To give an example from the movie, a major conceit is the rejection of instructions the instructions that come with a lego set according to the lego movie are not the bible they are mere suggestions the one that the movie encourages you to throw away think about what that means and what they're implying that legos are not a tool are, are legos are a tool of imagination and any limitation should be regarded with skepticism 
The Mario movie's best attempt at an emotional conclusion is Luigi showing up at the end to help Mario defeat Bowser. It's a simple payoff to an emotional setup. Effective, I would say. But what about the legacy of the Mario games? What does it mean to play Mario and why do people like to play the games? Is it because Mario and Luigi are brothers? I don't. I honestly don't think anyone cares about that. Is it because it feels good to defeat evil and save the princess? Even that is kind of hollow because... Of course, like you said, Bowser is evil. He has to be stopped. But the movie in the game sort of posit Bowser as this arbitrary enemy. He's just the antagonist. He's a tyrant and he's cruel, but he's not fully evil or even unreasonable. <laughs> he's simply Mario's enemy. Yeah. The closest this movie comes to capturing that feeling of what it, why I like to play the games is the moments where Mario has to try again and again to achieve his goals, which is sort of his arc or major characteristic mm -hmm. right the slow improvement of perseverance the way the world is structured to inspire new techniques and actions that is what makes the mario games so gripping to me it's the endless series of increasing challenges new secrets around every corner and the encouragement to improve upon previous successes that keeps me coming back it's the promise of a fun new mechanic explored to incredible depth that leaves me awe-inspired I don't get that in this movie. Instead, I got more of what I never needed in the first place. Backstories, explanations. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing this wrong, but it's always been about the gameplay for me. Um, it was always about moving from world to world and from secret to puzzle to difficult challenge. I didn't care who Mario was or why he was doing it. I only cared that I could get to the end and I had fun along the way. Like you said earlier, right? It's fun to bop the Koopas. It's fun to break stuff. It's fun to get to the top of the flagpole. That's what's fun about it. It's not the emotional resonance of Mario and Luigi hugging at the end. That's not what makes me feel good about it. So um, I guess I'm just sort of feeling like I'm missing the why of this movie. The, this movie isn't making a grand statement about gaming or why it's playing why playing Mario might be good for me or for the world as a, as a whole. Instead, it imparts a bland, inoffensive story to connect dots I didn't need connected. It muddles the freedom that Mario the blank slate represents. If this wasn't the start of a huge cinematic universe, it would ultimately be like a fart in the wind. Mm. You notice it, but then it passes. Because of this, and because this is a pure corporate product masquerading as art, I don't feel bad saying, I don't need this movie. I don't want to consider this movie or take it seriously. I don't feel an obligation to defend it or recommend it. I know that its franchise potential will carry it into the year 2043, yes. and I'll be forced to think about it for the next decade or more. But I don't think it deserves any of that. If it was up for me, I would just prune it now and try again 20 years later. Wow. <laughs> You, yeah, you just you just went in. Uh, Any reaction from you, Kita? <laughs> I do actually have a reaction to that, and it's something that because you know I am pretty gung ho on this movie, and so I really wanted to get like into you know what made this movie not work for you, and I one thought that your take is so well thought out, especially kind of going back to I love that you brought up the Lego Movie. Because I always go back to a lot of this stuff is geared towards like a younger audience. So kids, children, teens, tweens. And I always, because I work with children and I work with um, like emerging young adults as well. And I continue to feel like we do not give kids enough credit when it comes to their brains, how they work, how they process information, how they 
interact with their environment and then take in morals and goals and self-determination for that. And with the Lego movie, it did, like you said, it kind of took those risks as far as not following the rules in their movie, not following instructions and kind of taking a lot of really good liberties on what that can mean. Um, And so, like you said, some of that stuff was devastating. (laughs) And I feel like we shouldn't um, shy away from that type of stuff when it comes to, uh, you know, young adults and children's material because the Lego movie I thought was outstanding. And I know that's something that kids can watch um, to, to understand like the nuances of life, the nuances of, um, being youthful and taking those types of risks. Um, even at the end, like the enemy was like the dad (laughs) at the end. Um, and he was able to kind of accept something like he talked about this radical acceptance. Um, and so, I just, all my initial reaction to that is just going back to how young people's brains work, and I really don't think we give kids enough agency and and credit about taking all of those different complex messages in. Um, and so for the Super Mario Bros, I feel like, like you said, it was very dry and hollow in what it wanted to say and what it wanted to convey. And I don't even think it wanted to say or convey anything. Exactly. And the fact that it wanted to try um kind of makes me feel a little like they didn't really know the type of audience as far as like kids are concerned with what they wanted to see and what they could be seeing um for adults obviously we're gonna have a good time because we played the games we know we know we know everything it's saying we know everything it wants to say everything and so um, yeah here sorry the Frozen is a really good example. Yeah, Frozen you know, is a beautiful of, example of uh, of of this message that's in this movie, or at least the the surface level message that Absolutely. they're trying to impart could work. Yeah. Right, having the the bond between sisters be stronger than anything else. Yeah, right. And even though there is Sven and and what's his name, um, Kristoff, Kristoff, <laughs> uh, yeah. yes, <laughs> who's like you know the 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 noble hero yeah. man, right? He's not ultimately the hero of this story, mm-hmm. and the love relationship between him and Anna is not important right. uh, to the emotional resonance at the end of the movie. Yeah, and um, that movie really is about the sisters and about their conflicting and separate struggles and how they have to come together to be better than they are apart. Mm -hmm. In this movie, it's Luigi stuck in a cage. And, you know, Mario, it's Mario's story. It was kind of Mario and Peach's story. Right. And I don't really have a problem with that, but it doesn't have that emotional resonance to it. It doesn't have that feeling like it's it's going somewhere and it reaches a point, right? It feels like we're just kind of on a treadmill in a way. It does. And... Yeah, I think that I, I, I agree with you that like we don't give kids enough credit, but I think that something like the Lego movie mm-hmm. stimulates people's brains all the way up and down the chain to the point where they don't even recognize what it's doing. But the ending of that movie is so different than what you might expect from yeah. an action adventure that it's, um, it becomes something really memorable. And perhaps something that would mean something to you, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. This movie 
is the superhero ending of let's beat up the bad guy yep. and the harder you punch, the better of a person you are, you know? <laughs> and that's just right. always, that's just the the same thing we've seen over and over again. And ultimately it means nothing because mm. there's not a lesson that you want to teach kids that you should just beat up your bullies or something like that. Like, or like, oh, once you have the invincible star, suddenly ev- not, nothing <laughs> will stand in your way. Like, Yay! you know, we're not really, <laughs> which is like, the whole thing with Mario, right, right, is that there's never been a coherent message about it. Like, if you start asking yourself, like, what is Mario about? Like, right. what lessons are you supposed to teach? He's like, uh, do drugs, I guess. <laughs> Maybe you should try mushrooms, kids. Not like, do uh, drugs. But, like, that's not, that's <laughs> that's not what it means. True, it's right. just, it's just, that's the mechanics of the game. Right. And it's the thing that makes Mario great is not its message to children, um about its characters it's it's message to children about how gameplay works right and it's beautiful um like interactions between you and what's on screen right it's not just the um you know it's not just like oh i want to get to the end because i want to save mario it's like oh i'm actually doing the work to get from point a to point b and the game is telling me how to do it in such a subtle way that you never even realize what it's doing and it's teaching you new ways to play the game new ways to interact with it and encouraging you to go back and use those things you learned to get better at it in the past you know that's such a it's such a different thing than what the lore is in this movie absolutely absolutely i 100 percent agree with that and even just hearing you say that um just the fact that you're able to just play those games just seems a lot a lot deeper than we really think it is, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Like the it's the surface of playing those games is you get to keep trying and you get to keep molding what your brain can continue to do. And I I'm a big brain nerd, um, if you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so having the games be able to let you unlock not only in the game different things that you could do, but even just with your brain, just unlocking yes. different ways you can move and different ways that you can think about what you're going to do next. And I think that is awesome. That was not that well captured in the movie. No, I don't think. Think, about, <laughs> think about Portal, right? Yeah. You ever play Portal? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen that, it. Um, one of the like mantras from the game is thinking with portals, right? right? And you can translate that to any other video game. Mm. And Portal is such a wonderful game and such a wonderful example of this idea that if you give someone a unique tool, one that they maybe never even able to imagine before, yeah, and you give them the way a, an environment to play with it that encourages creativity, mm. suddenly solutions appear in their mind that they were never there before, never. you know? That's the beauty of gaming to me yeah. is that you can suddenly discover a new trick, a new mechanic, yep. or be introduced to some new thing and it changes the way you think about the thing you're watching or the thing you're experiencing. And ultimately that attitude is not translated to re- the real world enough, Yeah. but it is amazing when you start like uh, when you start interacting with gamers uh, in game environments, Jenny and I were watching uh, this show called The Mole um, on Netflix. Did you watch that? My best friend wants me to watch The Mole. So oh, it's so good. Bad is it? So, okay, we're gonna have really. To watch it's that. really good. And one of the one of the characters, one of the players on the show, her name is Avery. She is a 
self-described gamer. She's a, she's a hashtag gamer girl. Hashtag and gamer girl. I, uh, I won't spoil it, but she makes it very far in the game of the mole, which is hey. a psychological torture machine. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not surprised at all because I knew that as a self-described gamer, she would recognize the the tools she had at, at her disposal and utilize them to be successful, mm. right? And that's the most charitable way I can describe gaming. Yeah. yeah. Because there's lots of toxic relationships to it too. But the attitude of solving problems with the tools available to you and finding new ways to apply those mm. is something that I think isn't well established in our like media landscape, right. really. You know, beyond gaming. And it's something that I don't think gamers are able to articulate very well. Mm in the Mario franchise in general is in my opinion the epitome of this right it's it does it better than almost anybody else does right and yet it feels completely out of reach for the narrative that's in this movie i don't know how you capture that feeling i think it's something that we're struggling to do yeah. but the idea that they 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 sort of attempted it with mario's you know characteristic but never made it a focus right makes me feel like they're really missing the point Mm. yeah okay i think we're gonna take a short break and then we'll come right back okay got you this episode is brought to you by the concept of speed did you know that your perception of time moves faster the older you get As you create new memories, your old ones get compressed into the available space in your brain, giving the impression that large lengths of time have actually passed quite quickly. You should lean into that feeling. This morning, drink a little extra coffee. Time yourself in the bathroom and try to set a record. If you're in your car, press on that gas pedal a little more. Just a touch. Go on. Do it. You know you want to feel it. That rush as the world warps around you. Power begins to build inside you as you realize you could always do this. You could always go faster. And why not? What is stopping you? The law? Your family? A sense of personal well-being? Bah! Those are pure illusions. The only virtue worth pursuing is speed! Faster! Let's do it faster! Your molecules struggle against their bonds as more and more energy is concentrated into you. You are melting into a beam of pure energy. Nothing can stop you. Nothing will ever stop you. You are becoming light. You are a stream of photons moving so quickly you see the world around you come to a perfect stop. You are beyond time. You are everywhere at once. Nothing is beyond you. All because you woke up and chose speed. Welcome back to Affable Chat. I'm here with Kita, our recurring guest, and we're going to go into our cool Easter eggs and more uh, right now. So first, this movie does have a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. Um, The mid-credit scene is of Bowser doing a reprise of his Peaches song. Um, Go ahead, sing it. Go ahead. Peaches, 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 peaches. I love you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. There you go. It is great. And yeah, he's like in a tiny cage with a tiny piano. So cute. Funny stuff. Post credit scene is a reveal for our potential sequel, 
which will be which is a Yoshi egg, green Yoshi, Yoshi egg in the sewer. Looks like it's about to crack. I actually saw somewhere that I believe it was on Variety that this was a reference to um, the movie Godzilla, where at the end of that movie, there's like an egg that cracks oh. open or something in the sewer um, in New York. So I don't know if that's actually what's going on here, but weird. Quite interesting though. I don't. I, if I was this movie, I would not reference Godzilla. 19, yeah, that's okay. 1998, <laughs> but whatever. We do not have to do that. Um, <laughs> This movie's score is by Koji Kondo, who wrote a lot of the Mario music, mm-hmm. um, but it also features the talents of Brian Tyler, who is probably one of the most uh, well-decorated um, movie scoreists. Uh, what's the word? Uh, movie musicians composer. ever. Uh, uh. Composer. Thank you. That's probably better. Yes. American Maybe. composer, conductor, arranger, and record producer. And I'll read from his Wikipedia here in his 24-year career tyler has scored seven installments of the fast and furious franchise big fan rambo eagle eye the expendables trilogy iron man 3 now you see me avengers age of ultron um crazy rich asians and super mario bros movie um he's also rearranged the current fanfare for the universal pictures logo um he also did uh the marvel studios logo from 2013 to 2016, which That's is like the dope. height of right. that. Um, he also composed the NFL Sunday Countdown theme for ESPN and the Formula One theme. Um, yeah, so he also did the television series Yellowstone. So almost wow. any major media thing you've Literally. heard music from, it's been this guy has played a role in it. So that's uh, pretty amazing. It looks like uh, everything but Star Wars. Like, basically. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and actually, when they were talking about uh, this movie or making the score for this movie, they did he did reference John Williams and Star Wars, mm. um, talking about like the uh, the kind of grand scope of it. So uh, it also this score also featured a strange arrangement of instruments as well to call back to the original limitations of the Mario uh, games music, but also bringing in new influences too. So um, awesome. it, this is uh, uh, pretty remarkable, uh, I think. That's this okay. movie has a lot of references. We've already talked about um, some of them, but uh, there's a bunch that I thought were fun. And I got these from Kotaku and from Variety. Um, and I'll link those articles in the description. First of all, uh, Charles Martinet, we'll say, uh, plays several characters, including Mario's dad, mm-hmm. which is a re- meta reference to Martinet's role in Mario's development because he is the he is the voice of Mario in yeah. the Mario games. Another fun fact here is that Mario's parents were based on already existing but unused designs made by Nintendo. The dad is almost an exact recreation, while the mother saw some adjustments from her original sketches. Um, so those characters have been in the D- Nintendo vault for decades. Um, in the movie, uh, Mario and Luigi's former boss, Spike, taunts them for attempting to start their own business. Mm-hmm. And Spike is the main antagonist in the classic NES game Wrecking Crew, in which you play as Mario on a construction site. Mm-hmm. And this is an, an example of Mario's uh, profession or career before he was a plumber. Um, so uh, he was working for Spike. Also in this game, Mario plays video games, including the <laughs> the NES title Kid Icarus. Uh, and there's a model of Star Fox's 
a wi- R wing on top of the television set, and he also has posters on his walls for the ice climbers. Uh, sorry, the ice climbers in baseball. Mm-hmm. And the most re- meta reference is in the pizzeria. We see an arcade cabinet of Donkey Kong, Mario's first appearance in a video game. However, has been renamed as Jumpman, which was Mario's original name before Nintendo formalized the canon. Um, so there you go. A Jumpman slash Donkey Kong arcade machine is in this movie. Um, there's also a bunch of storefronts that play a role in the pizzeria. It's Punch Out Pizza, which is a reference to the Mike Tyson game. And there's actually characters from that game that are featured on the walls of the pizzeria. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a restaurant called uh, Chasse au Canard, which translates to uh, Duck Duck Hunt, wow. uh, as it's one of the storefronts in uh, the animated New York City. That's cool. And one more from Variety. Uh, when Luigi gets a call for his and Mario's first official plumbing job, Nintendo fans should recognize his ringtone as the GameCube startup sound. Uh, gamers will hear a uh, short, memorable theme play whenever they would power up the console. The reference is fitting as Luigi's first solo spinoff game, Luigi's Mansion, was one of the launch titles for the GameCube when it debuted in 2001. Um, so there you go. There, that's that's a fun little uh, Easter egg there. I really like yeah, that. Those and are honestly, great. you were talking about all the different sounds and stuff. So many of those are so iconic to me. It honestly yes. felt like it was just part of like what's appropriate for every time a power up happens yes. or you get a coin. It didn't even occur to me that this was an iconic sound from the games just because I'm so familiar with them. Honestly. So um, it's it's very pervasive, I think. That's and, so uh, cool. And I think another uh, Easter egg going off of like the sounds is I think they use like over a hundred like Mario songs like in the oh, movie. Wow. Yeah. And I, Lord knows we cannot catch those all, but <laughs> they were used. And I thought that was such a cool thing. So even every like opportunity, like it seems like they have, yes. they have one, right? Which um, is awesome. Ma- uh, Bowser and the Magic Koopa Kamek, they're playing the underground theme. Yes. Um, dun, 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 dun. I love that. Dun, 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 dun. So um, much. <laughs> yeah, and they have. I mean, we have all, all sorts of uh, just little, little things thrown in there for everything. Underwater themes. Yes. Um, the star theme, the uh, flagpole, like level completion theme. Yes. All of that is in there. All of yeah. it. And I know there's a reference to Luigi's Mansion when they first got. He was that's showing right. His that's flashlight right. And they played a little bit of his Luigi's Mansion song. I said, oh, okay. I know that one. I know that one. <laughs> Man, so cool. All right, Joey. I think you know what time it is. It's time for us to go a little deeper. Okay, so as I was doing research for this movie, I found this link in uh, it's it's for uh, inverse.com um and it's an article written there and the title of the article is Did Mario Witness 9/11? An Investigation. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so, you know, Mario is canonically a New Yorker. He's in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, the, the most uh, the, one of the biggest events in New York City of the last, you know, century, I mean, a couple of decades, but I mean, of the century, honestly, is of course 9/11. So, did was Mario in New York City on 9/11? Uh, was he there when the towers fell? You know, what, 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 what is he, how does he feel about it? Um, how does he I, feel about it? <laughs> I was thinking about 9-11 in this movie because as soon as uh, Bowser's um, island appears in, in Brooklyn, I'm like, I can't believe the, <laughs> I can't believe the Super Mario Bros. movie did 9-11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joey. <laughs> anyway, oh, yes. so uh, this article is interesting. It's not very long if you want to read it, but essentially um, uh, in the, 
uh, ad that Mario and Luigi make for their plumbing business. You can see very clearly in the background the uh, one uh, World Trade Center, uh, which was ere erected after the towers fell. So mm -hmm. obviously this means that 9-11 did happen in the Mario universe. And according to... Um, Nintendo's official lore, Mario is between 24 and 25 years old, right. which means that if this movie came out in, uh, is set in 2023, which, you know, Luigi does have a smartphone, um, it's possible that uh, he was a couple of years old when um, the towers fell. And uh, they were also wondering if maybe his family immigrated from perhaps Italy, mm -hmm. uh, and therefore uh, they would not have been in the city. But um, the, according to Wiki articles, this indicates that uh, Mario was Brooklyn born and raised uh, and therefore must have been there uh, during the events of 9-11. So there you go. Uh, one of right. our most important questions finally answered. Finally um, answered. And I think he honestly <laughs> probably would have been around like my age if he yeah. was like 24, 25, like in 2023. Yeah. He's probably around my age. So honestly, <laughs> he probably doesn't remember much of it. <laughs> no, no, probably not. But uh, growing but up in the there, aftermath though. of it, I'm sure he's heard stories. I've heard oh, his family definitely heard tell you exactly where family. they were. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> awesome stuff. Man. Okay, um, at the end of our uh, episodes of Affable Chat, which we're reaching right now, we always mm -hmm. deliver our ratings. Uh, Kita, why don't you go first? What rating do you give to the yes. Super Mario Bros. movie? I give Super Mario Bros. a beautiful, sparkling Luma star whose only hope is the sweet relief of death. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a beautiful this was Malik. a pretty bizarre part of the story. I, we had to bring it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so weird. I, I do like those Luma guys though. They're so cute. I love them. They're Mario so Galaxy. cute. Sparkly and cute. Yes. Yeah. He just wants to die. <laughs> he took him from finally mercy. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I give this movie a soft lock. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with this concept, Kita, but essentially it is a a feature or a, a bug in a game where you can get stuck in a room that you can't escape from uh, and even the sweet relief of death <laughs> eludes you. Um, and this room that I've constructed in my mind is a room made of spikes. So you, uh, there's Ooh. death at any corner, uh, but it's constantly spitting out uh, invincible stars that uh, you constantly collect and therefore can never quite reach. Um, right. So at first it seems like a blessing that you have survived, but then you realize the true state that you're in of, oh of uh, truly never being able to escape um, this uh, hell. There you Joey, go. that's so <laughs> dark. <laughs> I thought Numa Lee was dark. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's crazy. Okay. Um, well, Akita, thank you so much for being on this episode. I really enjoyed talking to you about this movie. I appreciate you for having me again. Let That's me right. know if there's anything else you want me to come back for, and I will. The Barbie movie and Little Mermaid's coming out, so just let me know. Yeah, so All yeah, right. please let me know. Oh, well, we already we already have a plan for Barbie, but Little Mermaid for sure. I think that would be dope. I will uh, call you up for that. Please do. Um, next on Affable Chat, we are doing Jurassic Park. I believe we will have special guests for that perhaps the Super Bracket Bros. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet where you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat, and even our email address, affablechat at gmail.com. 
if you like this episode, then while you are playing Mario with your friends, you can tell them all about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? Oh my <laughs> that was a Mario voice. Uh, Sorry I, about that. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all for us. Thank you, Kita, so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really had a good time. Oh, my gosh. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) And thank you for listening.